What is the main purpose or goal for work? When you talk about a company's purpose, when you talk about an organization's purpose, it's usually in what they call a tagline. You can almost fit it on a, 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 a t-shirt. It's usually no more than seven or eight words. We have one here. We have our purpose in connecting people with God and one another. It fulfills the two great commandments. You want to love God, love people. That's what Jesus said. You can sum up everything, all of God's law in two statements. Love God, love people. What about uh, work's purpose? Well, you're, if you work for any kind of company, they probably have a purpose statement. I went on the internet this week, and these are real companies. Uh, this was a tow truck company in Parker, Arizona. We don't want an arm and a leg, just your toes. Here's a barbecue restaurant in Coleman, Alabama. We will serve no swine before it's time. Uh, here's a plumber in Jonesburg, Georgia. We, uh, if it wasn't for your plumber, you'd have no place to go. And this is a pest control company I found in Plymouth, Indiana. Husband exterminators. That truck pulls up in your driveway, you should get nervous. Over the next two weeks, we're going to talk about this. The Christian on the job. Christians should look at work always as more than just work. Let me repeat that. If you're a Christian, you should look at your job as more than just a job. Now, work is universal, right? Everybody needs to work. Moms have to work. They work inside the home, outside the home, sometimes both. Dads have to work. Single people have to work. Uh, students, kids even learn to work. It's part of life. A lot of kids um, don't like to work. Uh, in fact, we've got this thing going on right now that's uh, called boomerang kids. You know what a boomerang kid is? 2.2 million of them. Um, they don't go to class. They don't have a job. They come back. They boomerang. They come back and live at home with parents or grandparents. Um, and, and the scary part is 40% of them are in their 30s. When I was a kid, I, I had to work because I hated asking my father for money. Here was a normal conversation. Dad, can I have a dollar? What happened to the dollar I gave you last year? <laughs> then he'd ask that question, of course. What do you think, money grows on trees? I'd be thinking, Dad, I know money doesn't grow on trees. If the money grew on trees, I'd be out picking some right now rather than asking you for money. So what I did was, I don't know if you, who you went to, but my go-to person was my grandmother. I don't know what it was about my grandmother. She hadn't worked in 50 years, but this woman had like miracle money. <laughs> I mean, Grandma, I need $2,000. No problem. She'd open up her pocketbook. Here's 2500 Go buy yourself a treat. <laughs> we all got to work. All of us. At school. At home. On the job. If you're retired. How many, how many people you talk to have retired? Saying, I never worked so hard in all my life. Schedule's all busy. And you know why that's true? You know why everybody works? Because it's pre-fall. It's pre-fall. You know what I mean by that? 
Before sin entered into the world, God designed work. So let's talk about the Christian perspective on work. And here's what I want to do today. Today I want to cover three very basic principles about a Christian's view of work. And then next week I want to talk about what should be the primary concern of every Christian. And that's how do I bring my faith in Christ? How do I bring the gospel into this place? How do I witness at work? You need to be prepared. The Bible says that. So we'll talk about that next week. But first, let's go over some three basic, uh, three basic principles of how you should look or how you should view your work as ministry. Number one, you want to, as best as possible, work in your gift or ability area. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 is a very important verse in the Bible. And it says, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is, this is truly the way you worship him. So here's what the Bible's saying. When you, come, when you come to Christ, he gets all of you, every part of you, every room in your house, every inner room in your life, everything that you're involved with, your play, church, work community, everything, and you offer yourselves as a living sacrifice, and I act, that's really my worship, God. It's not just what I do here in church on Sunday. I worship you at home. I worship you at, at church, yes, and I worship you at work. How do, we, how do you do that? By giving yourself to God to be used however he wants to use you in these places. Some people departmentalize. We do this all the time. We departmentalize our, our faith. You know, when I'm at church, then I'm religious, or I'm with other Christians. Otherwise, I'm in that work, like the real world. I'm I'm there. It has nothing to do with church. Oh, yeah, it's got everything to do with your faith. You can worship at work by bringing all of yourself to all of God's purposes. So how do you worship at work? Let me suggest one way you do it, by working in the gift or ability area that God hardwired you. How has he hardwired you? Did he give you an ability to teach? Then, then why are you an accountant? Did God give you an ability to be an accountant? Then why are you teaching? Did God give you an ability to build things and, or wire a building like an electrician? Why are you selling something? You understand what I'm saying? God has a plan, and he, when he made you and he equipped you with gifts and abilities for a specific purpose. And it glorifies God when you're in that sweet spot. As well as making you extremely happy. You've heard, you've heard lots of people say sometimes that, uh, you know, I, I retired, I worked 50 or 60 years in this business, but I never, I never worked a day. Why? They're saying I was in the place I should be in. This is what I was, this is what I was made for. Now, in some countries in the world... You don't get a choice. The places I go to, when I'm out there with our missionaries and everything, a lot of these places, you don't have options because the economy is so bad, there's not enough work. You, you need any kind of a job just to put food on the table or some sort of covering over your head. In the United States, though, for Christians, no excuse. Lots of opportunities. And God has given you, he's hardwired you with a special or ability or gift. You need to choose work in that area. If you're good at selling, be a salesman. 
If you're good at numbers, do something with engineering or accounting because God gave you that ability. You got to manage that well. If you're good at athletics or coaching, become a coach. If, if you're good at cooking, invite me over. <laughs> I got the gift of eating. No, don't, don't invite me. Don't invite me. I got plenty, plenty of things to do. Make, listen, how, how do people choose their career today? Where can I make the most money? What do my parents want me to do? What is the world telling me to do? How do you choose a career? Look, here. Romans, God has given each of us an ability to do certain things well. If your gift is that of serving others, serve them well. If it's a teacher, do a good job of teaching. If you're preaching, see that your sermons are strong and helpful. If God's given you money, be generous in helping others with it. If God's given you administrative ability and put you in charge of the work of others, take the responsibility seriously. The point of that passage is God has a plan, and he hardwires you with a certain gift or ability, and you should look for work there. But pastor, it doesn't pay well. This pays better, and it's a higher-level job. You know what that's called? Materialism. If I followed that logic, you wouldn't even be hearing me preach here this morning. I'm working for AIG at 25 years old. I'm making next to, next to six figures. And then God calls me to be a pastor, and I go to my first church, and they pay me less than $10,000 a year. My logic was, no, I just got to go where the money is. No. Money is the wrong motivator to make your work choice. It's a factor, yes, but it's not the determining factor. What God has created you for, what he's given you ability to do, that's what you need to be doing. If you're good at driving a truck, you need to drive a truck. That glorifies God. So what do I do, pastor, if my current job is not what I'm gifted to do. Here's my advice. Number one, pray. Talk to God about it. Open up a conversation. Don't do anything rash. Just open up a conversation. God wants to move you into something else. He's very able to do that. He's able to communicate that. Maybe you're supposed to be in the place you are temporarily. Um... If you've got responsibilities, ask for advice first from people. Maybe actually you're in the right place. You don't like it, but you don't want to admit who you are, but that's, that's actually a perfect spot for you. Take some steps. Move in that direction a little bit. There's lots of things you can do without being rash. But, but opening up a conversation with God is very important. Okay, so first way you honor God with your work as a Christian is, is make sure you're working in the, the place, the sweet spot God's made you for. Second, second principle is you, you have to view this, Christian. I'm working for God, not the company. I'm working for God, not, the, not men. Here's the verse, Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord, not human masters. How do you know if you're working for the Lord and not human masters? I'll tell you how. Number one, you're working with excellence. What does it say? You work at it with not just some of your heart, all of your heart. In other words, you give it your best effort at work. Every day you bring your A game. You know what the definition of excellence is? It's doing the best with what you got. That's excellence. Christian, listen, Christians should be the best 
hardest working, most reliable employees in any company. Why? They're working for God. And you always give God your best. You don't even think about anything less than that. When we built this place, there were a couple of leaders that were key. And they didn't get enough credit because they're humble guys. But I'm telling you, Marty Mize was one of them. Marty built phase one and phase two. A lot of work. Now, he had a great committee, a lot of good people around him. But he was the point guy. And then Bill Douglas, our operations director, did a phenomenal job. And I wanted to thank those guys. So I, 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 I knew they both liked sports. And Bill in particular, like he's a, he's a car guy. He's, he drives cars. He rides cars, drives them. I don't know. I'm not a NASCAR guy. It's like the last sport in the world I know anything about. But I know he liked NASCAR. So I called a buddy of mine that's a major uh, chaplain with NASCAR because I do the NFL chapels. I met this guy. He's, he's phenomenal. He, he, uh, he's the chaplain for Joe Gibbs' team. And again, I know nothing about this thing. So I called him. I said, listen, I got a guy here. I want to thank him. I want to take him for NASCAR chapel and all that. He says, oh, yeah. He says, no problem. He says, I'll set you up. So uh, we go to this place in North Carolina, this raceway. And uh, I, again, I know nothing about this thing. But I go into a trailer, and Joe Gibbs is there. We're eating steak with Joe Gibbs and Joey Logano. I don't even know who Joe Logano is, except that he's from Pennsylvania. And I meet this guy, and we're, we're having a great time. I, Bill's having a blast. And one thing I noticed, the one thing I picked up is NASCAR. Man, they got everything buttoned down. I mean, that car, everything is exact. They bring their A game. No one at NASCAR, no one on the NASCAR circuit would ever think about putting low-octane cheap fuel in one of those high-performance cars. Be terrible. That's excellence. You go to the Olympic Games. If you're, listen, if you're training for the Olympic Games right now, which you're going to be in Tokyo, the next Olympic Games, you're not on a Twinkies Oreo diet. You are being Joe Discipline. Don't get complacent at work. Christians should be the best workers. They should, be, they should bring excellence in their game every day. Why? I'm working for God, not man. Number two. Not only should they be excellent workers, they should have the best attitudes. What kind of attitude? The way Jesus would be. What was Christ-like attitude? What was Jesus' attitude? He was thankful. Here's the verse. Look at this. Be thankful in all. Ooh, we should circle that. All circumstances. That includes your work, by the way. All circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong to Jesus Christ. So what should the attitude be of the Christian at work? You ought to be thankful that you even have a job. Pause button. How were you considered at work, Christian? Did they see you? If, if you had asked your boss, you would ask people, are you considered a thankful person? You ought to be thanking them. Try it. See if your attitude doesn't change. Another attitude uh, should be love, right? Jesus said, this is how they're going to know that you belong to me is the way you love. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 14, and do what? Everything with love. So you do it unto him. You do it with excellence. You do it with a Christ-like attitude. I'm not saying it's easy. Look, I know some of you are in jobs that are really tough. Some of you got knucklehead bosses, and it's hard. 
It's hard, but you've got to discipline yourself. You've got to realize when you're getting up in the morning, I'm working for God, not for man. And he's given me my, arch, my marching orders. I'm to bring my A game. I'm to bring a Christ-like attitude, thankfulness, love. Jesus calls you to this. Are you going to have a bad day? Absolutely. We all go off the road sometimes. I, right now, I'm, on a, uh, I'm trying to lose some weight. I'm on one of these low-carb diets, and I... So I, uh, my wife's trying to help me, and she makes a salad for me for lunch, and I go home. I'm, I do my sermon prep at home, and so I'm in my home office. I open up the door to the fridge, and there's a salad. I take it out. This is a couple of weeks ago. My son, Paul, was home from the Twin Cities. He's hanging out, and, and I take the, and I do the, uh, I, I look at the counter. I go to the counter to eat this thing, and there is the biggest honk, and I don't know where she got this thing from, the biggest lemon poppy seed muffin I've ever seen in my life. It's like this big. I mean, it's huge. And it's sitting on the counter. And I immediately, I'm transported back to the Garden of Eden. The desire is there. I saw that it's pleasing to the eyes. I certainly will not die. Maybe God wants me to have this. But I held firm. Ate my salad. Drank my water. Went back to my study. Prepared a sermon. Two, three hours I'm there. I get out of my office. I go back to the counter, and here's what I'm thinking. If after a three-hour time, that poppy seed muffin is still there, I'm going to take that as a divine sign <laughs> that I'm supposed to eat this thing. So I go to the counter. You're not going to believe it. It was still there. <laughs> Which actually didn't surprise me because I had hid it in the drawer. So, it was so good. You're going to go off the road. You're going to go to work sometimes. You're going to mess up. You're going to screw up. You're going to be embarrassed. You're going to hear the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You did not do well there. You did not show who I am. Don't give up. Mother Teresa said, it's not so much what you do, it's, it's how much love you put into it. So here's what I'm asking you to do today. Listen, pray a prayer before you leave for work. Re revisit the message here and say, say Lord, I've got to remind myself who I am in Christ. I'm working for you, not for men today. I want to worship you at work. How do I do that? I'm going to bring excellence to the game. And I'm going to have a Christ-like attitude. Which means I'm going to be thankful. I'm going to love people. Have a good attitude. Finally, you've got to see your work as a ministry in your life. Just like you would come here and serve, as Barb said, and Dave said, as a ministry. You've got to look at your job as a ministry. It's a ministry. Yeah, it provides you with income, but it's really a ministry. And God has put you in that job. Why? Because there are people there that he cares about. People that are, are all around you, that are strategically around you, that God intends you to minister to. Now, next week, we're going to talk about how to share your faith with them, but I'm not going to talk about that today. I'm talking about how to view your work, especially the people around you, as a ministry. How, how do you minister to people? Number one, number one, you should be the person at work that accepts everyone unconditionally. You hear what I said? 
You're the person at work that everybody goes, you know what? Doesn't matter what you do to her. Doesn't matter what you do to Sally. Doesn't matter what you do to Joe. I mean, they, they love everybody. They accept everybody unconditionally. I remember there was a guy at work. He wasn't even a Christian, and he used to model this at AIG. I mean, I, I was amazed at how he accepted everybody. I went up to one. I said, Ron, you're unbelievable. I, I watch you, and, and you just make everybody feel good. And he goes, you know, and he, I'll never forget what he told me. He said, Dan, I figure if God plays ball with him, I ought to play ball with him. And it just stuck with me. It just is a word picture I just, I just remembered. Hey, look, God is still dealing. They're breathing. God is still working in their life. Everybody needs to know that they're accepted. Romans chapter 15, verse 7 says, Therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you, so that God will be given glory. And in 2 Timothy, it says, A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone. You ought to circle that. Everyone. Be able to teach. Be patient, even with difficult people. Now listen. When I say accept everyone, I'm not talking about approve of everyone. Accepting someone is, and valuing them is not saying I approve of their behavior or their lifestyle. And Jesus showed this. He did this all the time. He loved people all the time. What was he called? A friend of sinners. Some of the worst people at that time. Jesus accepted the outcasts. He accepted people who were knuckleheads. He accepted the sinful people. You can do this without approving their behavior. Listen, I know one thing. I may not, be, I may not know everything about your job, but I know everybody is having a tough time. Everybody has some sort of a hidden hurt or struggle in their life, and everybody, and I mean everybody, needs a lift. Everybody needs encouragement. So, pause button. Think about how you're viewed at work right now. Your name is mentioned. Are people going to think that's an encourager or a discourager? Is that one someone who gives strokes or someone who gives pokes? Is, that one some, is, that, is this somebody who complains and criticizes people or compliments people? You can, let, let me tell you how you do this. You know how you do this when you're dealing with tough people? You look past their behavior. I do two things. I look past their behavior. I know that behavior is tied to some pain or hurt in their life. Hurt people hurt people. So I look past the behavior. I, I also try and view people the way Jesus viewed them. Not as what they are, but what they could be. What they could be. The most obnoxious person on your job needs your acceptance, Christian, to encourage people. It's not rocket science. Encourage them. Here's the verse. So encourage each other and build each other up. Be somebody who builds people up, as you're already doing. You know what I'm talking about. There, there, there are people that are just like that. Whenever you're around them, you feel like they build you up. The world is full of negative people. Critics, cynics. All you got to do is turn on the news, right? 99% negative. God tells the Christian to be different. The Christian should build people up. Give them a lift. 
Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. When you, when you talk, you should only say things that build people up. Not, it's not about you. It's not about your needs. It's about their needs. I got a buddy who's a, who's a, he's a, he's a grandpa like me now. He's got small grandkids. And uh, he was in a room. He's in a room. They're all watching uh, TV. And it's his grandson and his son and him. And they're in the living room. And uh, the son, a small kid, he starts taking up blocks and he's throwing it at the wall. Making a mark in the walls. And his father says, hey, hey, no throwing blocks. Takes a block, throws it at the wall. He says, Josiah, listen to me. You throw one more block, you're going to be in trouble. Josiah doesn't throw the block. Father leaves the room. Josiah picks up a block, throws it at the wall. Grandpa's there. He's watching this. He says, hey, hey, Josiah, are you obeying your dad? Josiah says, no. Grandpa says, why aren't you obeying your dad? Josiah says, because I'm little. And Grandpa said, well, hold on. Hey, Josiah, wait a minute. You've been telling Grandpa all week. Grandpa, I'm a big boy. I'm a big boy. Josiah, aren't you a big boy? Josiah gets up, puffs out his chest. He says, Grandpa, I am a big boy. But I'm a little one, too. Yeah. It's true of all of us. Right? We come to Christ. God has his presence inside of us. We're made for glory. But on this side of glory, we're still sinners. We're still selfish at times. We're little, too. And that means we're going to make mistakes. We're not going to love everybody we should. We're going to blow our witness at work. But Christian, listen to me. God still intends to use you. You can have a fresh start today. You can say, Lord, I get it. I get it. I hear what you're telling me. I'm supposed to look at work as a ministry. It's not about me. I'm not serving men or my company. I'm serving you. I'm supposed to be a missionary. You told me I'm supposed to be an ambassador. For the gospel. I'm supposed to be somebody that represents you to people. I'm, I, I need to be encouraging. I need to be thankful. I need to love people. I need to live for what you, your purposes are all about. Yeah. You need to look at your work differently. You need to look at your work as ministry. Let's stand for closing prayer. Thanks for the reminder, Lord. Gets discouraging at times. Hard not to flick the switch and just go into a different mode. But you've told us that all of our life is supposed to be a life of worship. A life when we are surrendered to you for your bidding, for your purposes. You've put people all around us for a reason. Some of them difficult. But it's all for ministry. Change us, Lord. Transform our minds. Transform our attitudes. Change us. Make us into the kind of people that you can use at work. 
And now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by his grace has given us eternal encouragement and good hope. May he encourage your hearts and strengthen you for every good deed and word. And God's people said, Amen. Amen.